Well, uh, I want to say welcome back uh, to me. I've been on vacation for, uh, for two weeks. Um, and the reason for two weeks is we, we have a dear friend, uh, dear friend, Scott and Lelia. They have a, a house on the water in Georgia. And so they go up to Maine and we sometimes go to their house. But it's 2,000 miles away and we had to drive it. So uh, you can't really do that in a week, but I'll give you one little vacation story. Um, the first day of vacation, uh, the house has been kind of abandoned for about three weeks. Our, our family loves animals, okay? Just so that's the backstory to this. So we love animals, and the first day of our vacation, this black cat just comes sauntering up, you know, kind of checking us out. And so my family, being who they are, they're like, oh, hey, a cat. So we pet the cat and love the cat. The cat hangs around all day feed the cat a little bit. Well, day two, he brings a friend. <laughs> so it's this cat and that cat. So we love the other cat. Uh, pet. Y'all, no kidding, at the end of the vacation, 15 cats visited us. <laughs> and my favorite moment in the vacation is when I walked out of the, the front door, and there is Noah and my other daughter, Lucy. They're sitting on the driveway, and they are surrounded by 10 cats. What I won't tell you, though, is the part where cats don't always get along real well. And so every day I'd hear this, and they're just going at it, and I had to go break them up. But anyway, so uh, welcome back to me. Um, you have probably already figured this out but uh, because it's been announced, but we are doing a summer sermon series in the Psalms. And there's a reason for that, and the reason is that we have been led in worship um, by really one person for about two decades um, did a wonderful job. Um, we are, are now, though, Marvin has left. We are now in a, a worship transition. Thank you, Tom. Um, we're going to begin a worship. Yes. Um, and so good today, by the way. Thank you for that. Um, but we're, we're doing that. Um, and we're also going to begin a worship search before too long. So it's just a great time to realign ourselves with worship. Um, not because we've lost touch with worship, but because when you do something for a long time, if you're like me, sometimes you look up and you go, hey, wait a minute, what is all this about again? Or you hear yourself singing songs and kind of your heart is somewhere else. And so we thought, let's just lean into the Psalms this summer. Um, let's get into the, really the worship book of Israel. Um, these 150 chapters of songs and psalms and poems and prayers to God. Um, let's just look at some of those again, some of those again, right? Um, not all 150. We don't have time for that, but let, let's get back into it. Um, just so you know, about half of the Psalms were written by King David. Um, the other half is a, it's a various assortment. Some of them we know their names and their background. Some of them we just know their names. Uh, some of them we have no idea who wrote them, but here they are and um, if you've ever read the Psalms, has anyone read the Psalms? I think I'm going to see a few hands. If you have ever read through the Psalms, many of them at all, you know that the Psalms is quite the collection, right? Um, it's, it's really something. Some of them are deeply comforting. Um, oh, they're just so encouraging. Has anyone ever turned to the Psalms when, you know, you're really in need and you just, you feel like it's living water for your soul? That's, that's a, you know, a good portion of the Psalms. And then there's that other part of the Psalms, right? Um, there are a whole bunch of them, and they are raw and stormy and rough. 
um, very emotional. <laughs> Some of us might even say hyper-emotional. And there is a reason for that, and it's because the Psalms are real. These are real people writing about the highs and the lows of life. And so what we get are kind of this, this half that are, they're just praises, and the other half that are, are, are just deep laments. And then there's some that are even both, and we'll do a couple of those. Um, just so you know, let me cover a lament real quick so we know what those are. A lament is what is wrong in the world. Um, it's all the evil out there. Uh, the, the lament is the angst of life. Um, it's injustice. It's betrayal. It's how we miss it, how we come up short, how we get done wrong. Um, laments are, are, you know, even in our own lives, it's, it's those times when our kids walk away or we plan for this and the other happen or when tragedy strikes us. And, and a lament is simply a cry for God to intervene. A lament is a prayer saying, God, show up and do something about this. God, I'm in need. I, 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 I need you to step up. I need you to be God in these moments. Um, and that's why laments are raw and they are, are really rough. But what the Psalms are telling us is that they are very appropriate for prayer. I mean, th this is the content of the human heart. I know for me right now, I am going through a season of lament in my life. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Hopefully this won't lower your opinion of your pastor. But I'm just at a place where after having gone through COVID, um, the death of my father, um, 20 some odd years of ministry, and you get kind of, sometimes you get a little beat up along the way. But one of the things you find out as a human being is we were not designed to carry that stuff. Have you ever noticed that? We, we can't. I mean, that, uh, think about, just take anxiety, for example. What happens to you and to me when we hold on to anxiety? We unravel. We come apart. We were not designed to carry this kind of stuff that we read about. Um, or, or I'll say this with anxiety. Have you ever went turned to another human being to help you in a season of anxiety? Or have you ever tried to help another human being in a seasoned anxiety? Uh, unless you're a seasoned counselor, what usually happens is I find myself sharing just all the stuff I'm going through, and the other person's like, you can just see it come on them. Or a person shares with you, again, there is a place for all of that stuff. And what the Psalms are saying is, man, take it to the Lord. We even find that in the Psalms. Um, Psalm 55:22 says, cast all your cares on the Lord. Um, Psalm 68, 19. Praise be to the Lord, to God, our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. So again, laments, you know, when you read this stuff, and I'm like you, I've been reading some of these laments of David, and I thought, David, calm down. Absolutely not. He's an example of what we're supposed to do with the heaviness of life. And of course, praise the praise psalms, they're just about what is good, what God is doing, who he is, what he's done in the past, what he's doing right now in our lives, what he promises to do. And of course, praise is very appropriate for worship and um, for prayer. Uh, okay, so before I pray, um, let me lay out the layout of the psalms for you real quick because there's a structure to it. Um, 150 uh, chapters and there's sometimes we think, man, this is so random. There's nothing random about the Psalms. So here, here's how it's constructed. The first two chapters are, and this will shock you, the first two chapters are an introduction, okay? 
How appropriate for a book. Um, uh, and Psalm 1, which we'll do today, it's an invitation to you and to me for a lifetime of meditation in the Word of God and why that's important. So that's chapter 1. Chapter 2 um, tells us that a Messiah is coming, and when he shows up, we all want to take refuge in him. That's where life comes from. Then we get into uh, Psalm 3. No, I'm not going to go through all, all 150. Then we get into the different books of the Psalms. There are five of them. Book 1, chapters 3 through 41, is a call for us to be faithful to God to hitch our wagon to God, to embrace Him, to walk with Him all the days of our life. Book 2, uh, chapters 42 through 72, is our hope for a future because of our great God. Very comforting section. Um, book 3, which is uh, chapters 73 through 89, and I know you're all writing this down, um, it is the collapse of King David's kingdom and... It is the promise of the Messiah's kingdom. So David, the greatest of all kings, his kingdom comes apart, but there is a greater kingdom coming, and it's the coming of Jesus Christ. Book 4, which is chapters 90 through 106, is a reminder of God's mercy throughout our lifetime. And that is a beautiful phrase. Not just God's mercy when you're a sinner and you say yes to Jesus, but his mercy throughout every chapter of your life, when you're doing great, when you're not doing great. God's mercy is there all of our days. And then book 5, 107 through 145 is our Messiah defeating evil and establishing his kingdom. And then the last five chapters, I'm not sure what to call them, so let's just call them hallelujah chapters. And it's looking back on all the Psalms, it's, it's, they, these are invitations to praise God worship God, grab everything you've got, and love him back for everything that he is, okay? So, let me pray for us now that we've started. Oh, and by the way, what we'll be doing, and sorry, I saw the heads go down and come up. It's a bad look for me. Um, but what, uh, what we're going to be doing this summer is we're going to be picking some of our favorite psalms throughout those books. If you have a favorite psalm, this is a summer of requests. You can make a request. If we can do it, we will. So we're just going to have some fun with this, and my prayer has just been, God, let us fall into your heart as your people as we do this. So let me pray for us. God, we love you, and just like we sang, we look to you. You are where our hope comes from. You are the source of life, and God, we, we want to be people who don't just show up on Sunday and turn it on for 30 minutes to 90 minutes, but God, our whole life is about worship. And so we just invite you to speak to us. Um, some of us are in, in a place where we, we need some rescue, we need some healing. Um, some of us, Lord, we need you to fill some gaps in us and just inform us in the depths of our being. God, all of us want, though, to, to just come together and be a people who rejoice in you, in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we sing. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome your alignment and your realignment of us. Um, we, we bless you and we thank you that we get to journey together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, folks, here we go. Psalm 1. Are you ready? This side of the room, are you guys ready? Ready? Okay, here we go. Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord 
who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor are sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. What we have here in, in Psalm 1, kind of in a nutshell, an overview, um, is that it is telling us that there are two ways to live out life on planet Earth. Um, that is not always a popular thing to hear out there in the world, but there are two ways to live this life on, on the earth. Um, the first is like a vibrant, green, tall, strong tree that's planted by water. That's one way. The other way is like a wheat husk, okay? Chaff is basically a wheat husk. It's like the shell of wheat. You can think of like the, the outer uh, kind of shell of popcorn. You could think of a tumbleweed here if you want to. That would be big chaff. Um, but it's just being blown around by the wind. Whatever comes, you're at the mercy of whatever happens uh, any one day. The first way, as you can imagine, you know, you've just heard it, the first way of life is, is wonderful. Um, it's, it's what we were made for. Um, it's true happiness. It's the goodness that everybody longs for. Even before Jesus Christ was a part of my life, I longed for what is described here in Psalm 1, this tree. And then there's that, that second way of life, which is, is really ultimate disappointment. It's, it's nothing satisfies. And it is the stuff of barren wastelands, dried out deserts. Um, you know, think of the salt flats if you want to. And so what we'll do is we'll, we'll take a look at this blessed way first, okay? Um, the word blessed here out of the Hebrew means a couple of things. Um, it, it mean, well, it means one thing with a twist, okay? Uh, the one thing is, blessed is God's goodness and favor in your life. It is the experience of God, the knowledge of God mentally, and knowing God in your heart. It's closeness to God. And it, it's all those fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, you know? It, it's, it's everything, light, life, um, and, and, and just love, really. Uh, so it's that with a twist, and the twist is that in the Hebrew, other people on the outside see this, and they long for it too. Other people see that in your life, and they go, you know, I don't even know if I know what's going on with that person, but that person's living the good life, and I want that. This is, this is actually what drew me to Jesus, seeing Christians that were filled with the love of God, filled with the joy of God, and going, man, whatever that is, I got to get a hold of that. And so that's what blessed me here means. It's, it's kind of like a magnet for other people. So it's pretty awesome, this, this concept, but blessedness here, this blessed life, involves some do's or don'ts, and we see these in the passage. Um, first, don't walk in step with the wicked, we are not to stand in the way of sinners or sit with mockers. If you're probably picking up on this already, maybe you already knew this, but this is a progression, okay? One can lead to the other, which can lead to the other, and it is going from kind of good to bad, bad to worse, and ultimately ending up in a place of death. 
So this is stepping towards darkness, becoming used to darkness, and in the end, embracing darkness. So Psalm 1 is saying, hey folks, don't do that. Don't go there, don't live this out. Now specifically, walking in step with the wicked, this is the stuff of temptation, okay? This is stepping off of God's path of life, what God says is good and holy and lovely and, and, and leads to, you know, just fullness and life. It's, it's stepping off of that path um, over God's boundary lines and walking off-road into other things, into situations, into relationships, into conversations that God says leads to death, um, leads to a dead end not into life. So that's kind of the walk. Now, standing here is more deliberate, okay? Standing is coming to, to kind of a resting place, and it's choosing to remain outside of God's Word um, in, this, in this kind of other place, places of sin. So standing is when we begin to really indulge in sin, um, uh, whether it's, and by the way, this doesn't have to just be the ones that we call really bad sins, because we do this, we categorize, you know, this doesn't have to be, you know, drugs and robbing banks, this, this is also standing in bitterness, standing in offense, you know, choosing to, to, to you know, to gossip, to self-indulge. Again, all of these are things that God says leads to death, and then of course, sitting is reclining back into it. Um, it, it's really becoming spiritual, spiritually blind and cold and hard-hearted. And that's why they include mocking, because in, in this place of sitting, there really is no thought of God. You know, it, it's, it's really a place of scoffing with your whole life at, at who God is. And we become spiritually blind and deaf. And by the way, all of this, according to Psalm 1, it's not an accident. These are choices and going in this unblessed way, it does leave us like a wheat husk, just at the mercy of whatever the prevailing wind of the day is, just blown around. That is the unblessed way. Are we all nice and depressed now? Well, there's another way, all right? And it is the blessed way of God's love, God's light, His peace, His goodness, of walking with God, down here all of our days, um, and it involves delighting in God's Word. And I love preaching this in an age where people are really lowering their view of the Word of God, because here it says, no, lift it up. This is primary. This is life. You know, this is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. This is spiritual food. And I just love that Psalm 1 reminds us of that, that the Word of God is so important to us that, that we are, you know, I like to think of myself of, at, at times, you know, as a competent adult and a guy who's accomplished this or that. Psalm 1 reminds us that we're children spiritually. We are dependent on God. We rely on Him for everything that, that you know, we are kids who look to God. We rely on Him. And, and a primary way we do that is through the Word of God. It's pondering on, on what he said to us, reflecting on it, meditate, meditating on it, reading it, feeding on it, and allowing the Word of God to affect how we live and let it determine what we grow into. The Word of God is a really big deal in the Christian life. Amen. Amen. Good, good, okay. But, 
here's the thing on the other side of that is what we have to understand is when it comes to the Word of God, this is not about us rigidly obeying the Word of God and becoming slaves to Bible rules. It really is not about this. This this is not about us doing and performing some kind of gigantic chore list. And I know when I was a younger Christian, I would say, well, why not? You know, I mean, Steve, why is that? I mean, you know, why not just do all the right stuff? Why is that not enough? I'll give you a couple of examples. One is from my marriage um, to Jane. I can do stuff for my wife all day long. She could either maybe give me a honeydew list or I can just look at whatever I think she wants. I could do that. I could spend my whole life doing that and never love her. Do you know that that's possible? I'll give you a better example. I once worked with someone in ministry, not here, okay, very clear. I worked with someone who they were... And at the beginning, I thought, this is the greatest servant I have ever seen. This person served everybody in the name of Jesus. I mean, they were always doing, going, helping, serving. There was nothing they wouldn't do. And in the the first days working with them, I was like, wow, man, this is like, are you a Bible character? I mean, this is incredible. But what happened is time, as time went by, I realized something, something's off here. Something is not quite right. And it hit me one day when I realized that every single thing they did for somebody else, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? They broadcast it. Everything they did, they had to make sure everybody knew. Now, about half the time, it was just how blessed that other person was because they stepped forward and, you know, but the other time it was, you know, them just complaining over what a sacrifice it had been for them to serve. And it just hit me, man, the real motivation here, this is not really done for God or for other people. This is really being done for you, for, 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 for that, that, that person. Folks, Psalm 1 is the opposite of that, okay? Psalm 1 is about God's Word shaping us, molding our hearts, putting a new delight in us. Psalm 1 is not about a whole bunch of doing, but it's, instead it's really about us becoming. It's about becoming and being remolded into a child of God. I love the way Spurgeon puts it. He says this, Psalm 1 is really us yielding to God's will and letting God's will pervade our whole being until it becomes our second nature, filling our whole life and becoming the meaning of our life. If you're like me and you spent your your early days in kind of a legalistic type of church, hearing this, realizing this, this is so refreshing to know that this is supposed to be our relationship with the Word of God, that we are called to become like verse 3, this tree that is planted, by the way, correction, not by a stream of water, but by streams of water from the Hebrew. Meaning that if one of those streams dried up, you would still be refreshed. There's always a source of water. That's what spiritual life is supposed to be. Rivers of living water nourishing us, causing us to bear fruit in season. And even when it's not fruit season, that we would have leaves that that, that are green and never wither. In other words, that is a promise of spiritually thriving through all of life. And just so you know, that doesn't mean that life is always easy. 
you know, that everything's coming my way every day. It doesn't mean that. You know, I'm on easy street. That, 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 that's not what it means. It doesn't mean we don't go through storms. It doesn't mean that, that we don't face tragedy, that life isn't dark or scary at times, or even, and I'll just go ahead and say this, it doesn't mean that sometimes we're not a failure, that we, we fall into seasons that we're ashamed of either. But what it means is that for us, as we stay just tied to God's word, and living out this life of worship, but it means every trial can be for our good. Even the harshest times can result in the goodness of God and growth and life that we are always growing. We're always becoming who God made us to be. And so it's a real invitation to embrace the Word of God with the promise that you're going to grow upwards, you're going to grow strong, that, that, you know, in this life and into the next life, but it's also a real warning, and I appreciate the warning, that when we walk away um, from, from the Word of God, it really affects our ability to stand with God. And that a life apart from God and His Word, it, it leaves us unable to stand with God, not only in this life, but in the next life. It does make us like a tumbleweed who can't hold his place in, in even a, a moderate wind. So that's Psalm 1. Now, there's a question, good question that comes from it, a question I've been wrestling with all week, and I'll share a little more about myself here. But the question is, for us, the church, is what is it that we meditate on? As Christians, what do we meditate on? We've seen the ideal. We've heard the invitation. But what do we give our attention to? I mean, what is it that sets our tone, our mood? What is it that directs our steps? and ultimately orders our steps. What is it? Is it God's word to us? Is it his promises over us, his invitations? Is it what God calls pure, lovely, good, right, light, and life? Is it the word of God rooted in our hearts, growing in our minds, and setting our direction? It's an open question. You don't have to answer it, but I will answer it. Um, the pressure today is to say absolutely, 100% every moment of my life. But folks, I got to tell you, there, as I've just thought about myself in this, um, if I'm honest, some of the time, and some of that time can even be most of the time in seasons of my life, the answer is no. Now, that's a terrible thing for a pastor to say, right? Um, what an example. But, but and, and you might ask, why do I say that? And it's because... There's some evidence in my life that proves otherwise. Um, one good spiritual test you can give yourselves is if you ever want to know how you're doing with Jesus, how you're doing in spiritual life, um, listen to the words that come out of your mouth. All right? It's one of the best tests of all time. And, um, yeah, I, I, I've got to admit, there are times when what comes out of my mouth does not line up with the Word of God. So, when I say not doing well, it's not drugs, it's not grand theft auto, it's the presence of this other thing that shows up in Steve's life called worry. And what happens to me is what happens to you. You know, I see the headlines, you know, or I hear the hot goss on the street, or, you know, I run into that person and they're just all full of anxiety. And in, instead of returning to the word and getting reset, instead of looking here, I look elsewhere. Um, I, look, I look around, you know, I look inward, I listen to other voices, 
and I get all concerned and consumed with situations that God is already in control of. Have you ever done that before? You hear yourself saying something, and then you go, wait a minute, God's already got a promise for that, and it is not what I just said. Um, I, I get worried about a world that Jesus Christ is Lord and Master over. Um, I waste days that the Lord has made instead of delighting myself and um, in, in the Word of God. And it's because I'm not meditating on the Word of God. It's because I'm not delighting myself in this Word, which is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So today, don't hear me preaching at you. Hear, hear me talking to all of us here, um, this invitation into the Word. And what happens when I do that is that I miss out on being this tree that is planted by streams of water every time I do that, which ruins the whole purpose of Psalm 1, which is for other people to see me walking with the, with the Lord and see the joy that is in my life and wanting it for themselves. I mean, I thought this week, you know, the worst witness of a Christian is to be full of anxiety, anger, and judgment. Psalm 1 calls us away from that, delighting in the Lord, knowing Him and becoming. And yet, even when you're at a place like I am, if you've, I mean, I, I'm sure I'm the only one today who, with the description I just gave you. But the, the beautiful thing, though, about being a Christian, I mean, the wonderful thing about belonging to Jesus Christ is that when we find ourselves off-road as Christians, you know, we find that we've crossed the boundary line. You know, we've entered into these places. The beautiful thing, whether it's worrying, feeding our flesh, sliding into sin, is that in Jesus, there is always forgiveness. There's always cleansing, you know? There's always newness. I mean, I love it with, with Jesus and Peter. You know, how many times, Lord? Seven? Not 70 times seven. The, the, the love, the forgiveness, the goodness of God is unlimited. We always get to turn back. We always get to confess, confess, repent, and step right back onto life with God. What a beautiful thing we have. I mean, we have got it so good as God's children. And that is how awesome God is. That's, that's how awesome His love is. He is our loving, welcoming, life-giving Father. I mean, God's love is so radical that He even rejoices in that first moment we turn and start back. I mean, that, that's how good God is, whether, again, it's the first or the 51st time. And so, folks, I invite you into that. You know, the, the Word of God is so key to worship. You can't worship Him without His Word. We also can't live down here without His Word. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you, um, you have done so much for us. You have removed every barrier that stands in the way of us knowing you, of being children of, of the living God. We've gone from objects of wrath to the beloved. And I thank you that part of the, the job of the beloved is to be loved by our Father and is to enter into a life of love. And so, God, thank you for your word. We welcome it. God, we, we just invite you to reshape us this summer, to remold us. God, to even light some fires within in us that either have gone dormant or were never there before. We want every part of us to, to, to just live out this green tree 
experience. Father, make us winsome to the world. Cause us to fall in love with you and to be a people who live out that love in Jesus' name.